good morning, good afternoon, good night. <clears throat> however you're watching, wherever you're watching, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, it is the Bet Online Salute Detroit podcast, and it's Thursday, and like we said, Thursdays, we're going to try to have a special guest, and we have a special guest today. We have our man from Twitter. You guys know him as El Chicano. We just learned that he's Steven. Steven, El Chicano, whatever you want to go by, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? What's up, fellas? Uh, thank you for having me. You know, um, just like everybody else, you know, uh, you know, diehard USC fan, um, you know, started, uh, um, think about in high school, you know, I think that's when, for me, at least Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll, like, I think like a lot of people, that's kind of how um, I, I became a big, uh, big fan, you know, and I followed it, you know, pretty, pretty, um, you know, just like, high school kid you know but then as I got older like a young adult I started following more hardcore like the the recruiting and 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 you know some of the message board stuff and um sites like that you know I think probably the first year where I got like really really deep into it was at the 2008 team when they had I think Sanchez and they had that that sick defense Malaluga uh Clay Matthews um Brian Cushing like that's probably when I started like Really, really, like, you know, became becoming a hardcore fan, so to say. You're forgetting a lot of people off that team. Taylor hey, Mays. That's, that's how deep it was. That's how deep that team was, right? <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Al Mays, Rowe. Kevin Ellison, Al oh, Rowe. Yeah. Taylor Mays. <laughs> uh, who, who was the 2018? Yeah. Oh, Cedric wasn't on the team. He was gone already by then. That was going to bring me down back memory lane. Oh, yeah. Joe McKnight, yep. Stephon Johnson, David Osbury, Anthony McCoy. We could just start naming. I, I can name my whole freshman class, Butch Lewis. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. And perfect timing. Never, never late. Always on time. <laughs> never late. Always on time. He knows when to show up. He's the man who got his undergrad from USC. Just had yes, to clear that up. Undergrad from USC. Trojan at heart. It's the madman. Jamal Magdy, how are you doing today, Jamal? Doing well, doing well, coach. Always a pleasure and so thrilled to have our very special guest. Uh, you know, El Chicano, great to, great to meet you, my friend. Uh, the man behind all of the capital letters. You know, <laughs> the man, the myth, and the capital letter legend. There we go. What's and up, man? We can't forget our founder, the man who put this all together four years ago. Ryan Dye, Ryan Dyroot. How are you doing, Ryan? What's happening? All good. Happy to all be here. And yeah, Steven, El Chicano, thanks for uh, joining us. Excited to get into uh, the state of the program and, and kind of your thoughts on, on you know, what this offseason has looked like thus far. So thanks for hanging out. And Coach, always good to see you, my friend. How are you doing? How are you today? Um, I'm actually doing good. I am doing good. Work sucked last week. And then this week drag, but everything at work is actually going right. So it's one. It's just one of those things. It's like let me knock on wood because tomorrow could just be a complete chaos because it's supposed to rain and we got to deal with some stuff with the rain. <laughs> but for now, we're doing really good and and everything's good. I have no complaints. Just moving forward, keep pushing forward, and we're gonna keep this thing rolling. Uh, just real brief Thursdays, man. We want to bring a lot of guests on Thursdays. We talked about this. I don't know if you guys know this. So Thursday's gonna be a lot of our guest days. If you want to jump on. Hit us up in our DM, USC underscore LAFB on Twitter slash X. Did I get that right, Ryan? Yeah, well done. I always mess them up, Steven, so just excuse me. I mess everything up. But hit our DMs. We'll, we'll arrange something for you to have on. So far right now, we're really loaded, too. And, Steven, we appreciate you going on. We're rolling to this. So you talked about how you got into USC football and you became a friend, a fan in that 2008 class. So first question I'm going to ask you, do you just keep your cap locks on when you send your tweets out? Because we, the caps always come in. Also, are you willing to reveal your source? (laughs) (laughs) The, the first part, um, you know, uh, Hey man, it works, right? It works. It does. Yeah. Source is not a source if you reveal it, right? There you go. <laughs> there you go. No, um, just messing around with you. But 
so you talked about your love for USC. Um, have you ever been – have you came down to any of the games? I know you live up in the Central Coast area. Do you come down for any games or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was just at the – the Holiday Bowl, which is a which was a good one to go to. Oh, over there too. You know, yeah, yeah. And um down in San Diego, um, like probably I made it made it there pretty good, like four and a half hours. The way back was brutal. Um the next uh the next day, but whatever. But um I've got uh two two um two sons and um so I try to start the tradition, you know, of taking them one at least once a year, once or twice a year, you know, make the little drive. So it's worth it and tickets aren't too expensive, you know? So, um, you know, we usually make it down to a couple games. Um, I went down to USC and Utah also. Oh, that yeah. was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I took my girlfriend. She never had never been to a football game. So we went down there and, and that was a, that was a good one. Even though we lost, that was a heartbreaker. Yeah. Heartbreaker, heartbreaker, but that was a, it was a good game. You know, it sucks to lose like that, but yeah. And then the holiday ball, obviously that was a, you know, I, I'll be honest, I thought we were, USC was probably going to get their butts kicked, you know, the way the season had ended. I think a lot of people thought the same thing. And, you know, to my surprise, you know, they they um, even with all the departures and they, how many scholarship players that they have, like 50 or something. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, even Miller Moss surprised, I think, a lot of people because you just weren't weren't um, sure what to make of them. Right. Like. You know, he obviously he's a four star out of modern days. So it's like he has the talent. But then again, if you haven't played a game in, I think, almost three seasons, like started, it's like how how can you expect that guy to go out and freaking throw six touchdowns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just want to let you I just want to let you know. Uh, Chicano, there was one guy who always believed in Miller Moss, and I said Miller Moss is going to be okay. I won't say his name, Alfred Rowe, but uh, he I, I knew Miller Moss would be good, but so but no, that is good. Um, I'm gonna ask you one more question, I'll pass it on to Ryan and Jamal to throw some questions at you. We just wrap we could just chop it up. My question is so, what is your your most favorite USC moment, whether you watched it on TV, live, or in person? Um, live and in person is the same thing. Either TV or in person. What what's your what's your moment that you always remember? Like, man, I was there, or man, I remember exactly what I was doing on that day when I was watching it. Okay, so I'll say I've got one in particular, but I'll say two real quick. Okay, so one is I was at the I think it was at the first my first game ever was USC versus Stanford when Coach O took over. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you guys remember that game? I think yeah. Ravens. Ended it with the interception, and I think Stanford was ranked top five or something like that. So I was at the game, and it was for my brother's uh, birthday. We went, so that was probably the best moment, like, as a fan. That was cool to get that win, and Coach O, like, everybody, all the Trojan fans were riding with him, right? Like, he he really did his thing um, Those when he when he took over for Lane Kiffin, and which is it, – it's um stays with me because – uh, trip out on this is that I actually met Coach O. He was down in this area recruiting a player. Believe it or not, I was in the uh, in the Pismo Beach area. We have a, a a Nike outlet store, Nike outlet, and and I was like, I was with my son, and I'm like, I turned around, I was like, man, that looks like a USC coach. That looks like Coach O. And I turned around again, I was like, I'm gonna. I, I was kind of weirded out. I was like, man, do I ask him or not? I don't want to look like a fool. I was like, hey, uh, you're USC, you're Coach O, right? And you know, you know how we talk. So oh, nice to meet you. It's not all that bad. You know? It was so. I don't know, yeah, yeah. I don't know what year that was. Like whatever year he um, he was under Lane Kiffin. Um, I'm not sure exactly what year that was. But and you know what? And that was before, not before, but I don't know if it was before cell phone cameras were a thing. Or I didn't, I didn't have mine on mine. I don't on me. I don't know why, but I didn't get a picture or nothing. You know, um, that kind of that, that's a memory I, I wish I could have. At least got a picture with him, you know, because he went on to win a championship uh, with LSU and all that. Like, so that's why I say the, I, I kind of connect those two things. Like, you know, uh, um, it was cool to to be at that game, and then also, you know, uh, to meet him. You know, El Chicano, I got to ask you before you give the the, the second kind of or, or other moments. Yeah. I, I was there that that game as well. Oh, you know, wow. that was yeah. 2013, and yeah. it was the only time you know, since 2001 that USC has ever rushed the field in the Coliseum. And so 
I got. I remember that game field. now. You know what? I didn't. I didn't rush the field. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, and and looking back, I, you know, I probably, I probably should have. You know, but I missed you know, opportunity. But, yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, because like I said I didn't know that was only the only the only um uh, time they had done it. But what's funny, you bring that up, is that I remember. Man, I don't, forgot which game it was. It was a recent game, and I think I even said something on Twitter like. We were gonna pull the upset, or we did. I, I can't recall what game it was. I was like, I even said on Twitter, like, "Hey, don't don't rush the field. That we're, we're USC. We don't do that. Like you're like I don't know if it was against um man, I don't know Washington or Utah. It might have been last year or this year. I'm not sure when. But I was like, no, no, you know, I, I'm, my thing is, you know, hey, we're USC. We don't do that. And you know, you kind of not that it's classless, but hey, like you're, you're USC. You're freaking supposed to be Utah. You're supposed to beat Washington, right? Even if they're having good seasons, like when USC is on point, you're supposed to beat those those teams. Um, or you know, even Oregon. You know, I know they're up right now, but uh, at least that's that's how I feel. You know, like hey, you know, you take you're supposed to take care of business. You know. Yeah, I, I will tell you this. I will tell you my memory, and I'll pass it to Ryan or Jamal, whoever wants to go first. You can play rock paper scissors right now while I tell them my memory. My memory is from my senior year of high school. Right. It was my senior high school. We played Bellevue, Washington on that Friday. We came back that morning, end up going in the middle of the day. We went to a game at the Coliseum and it won that running back the Heisman Trophy. And that was Fresno State versus USC when Reggie Bush just went off. I remember that game. And that's when Aaron Andrews was just getting started and she was just doing beat reporting for uh for USC and she was doing high school games. So she knew who I was exactly. And she was like, you're at the game like you guys just got back. I was like, she's like, go home and go to sleep. I was like, I'm glad I didn't go home and go to sleep because I missed probably one of the best performances like in that time on the Coliseum field. Like that was like, I remember that like first I sat in the end zone where the players came out about mid row where they, man, that was one of the best games that I've ever seen with my eyes, like in person. And I played with some good people. So that, that, that one of them top. So who's going to go first with the question, Ryan or Jamal? I got one quick. Go ahead. Uh, Steven. So looking at this year, you know, when I, when I really started, uh, you know, seeing you and, and seeing your tweets was during, you know, the defensive coordinator hiring process and, you know, that, that whole kind of fun, all the speculation and rumors. And, and so a, just kind of how, how fun was that for you? I feel like that was, you know, it was a fun time. Maybe it wasn't fun for you. Maybe you can say it that way, but there was so much conversation uh, on Twitter and everywhere just about who the next DC was going to be. Was it going to be Jim Leonard, all these guys. So just what was that time like for you? And then, and then B what ultimately taking it back to football, like what's your thought on D'Anton Lynn and, and this defensive staff now that Lincoln Riley has put together? Yeah, that, that was a, that was a crazy time, right? Like, like, um, Nobody, uh, um, it was, uh, you would want to say it seemed inevitable that coach Grinch was going to be let go. Right. But you didn't, you know, nobody knew exactly when that was going to happen. Right. So it was kind of, um, and then when he got let let go, it was like, who's gonna, who's gonna take over. You know, you heard a lot of these names, Jim Leonard. Um, you had the, I think the guy from Mississippi state, um, for, don't recall his name, but you had a couple of different names in the mix, right? And it's you know when when Coach Lynn got hired, like it kind of came out of left field, right? Like I don't I don't um, that wasn't a name you were really hearing. Um, now as far as Coach Coach Lynn, like I, the only knock you can say on him is that he only did it for what for one season, you know. But that was a big turnaround from I don't know what they were ranked before, but I think they were top twenty or around there in in, in his first first um season and i even think i guess could correct me but i don't even think he had a chance to recruit any players like i think he came in he came in late right i don't know if, if you guys recall that but he, so he definitely he didn't really get the chance to to kind of hand pick a lot of the i think high school maybe 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 portal guys or whatever but he turned that ucla defense around really re- really quick you know so i think I think if a lot of USC fans, a lot of USC fans are expecting that same turnaround um, this year with 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 the with the staff, and I think the staff is probably second to none. You know, like not, I'm, you know, obviously I'm a USC fan, whatever. Like I, you know, might be a little biased, but you've got guys uh, 
Belk, who was Alabama, wanted him. Like, come on, enough said there. Um, Entz was a was a head coach, and now he's a he's a position coach. Like, um, and then um, you got the Henderson from the Rams. Like, I don't know how you can get any better as far as a D line coach. And then I think keeping Newell was big also because I think one you got to keep keep uh, the Polynesian pipeline. You got to keep that going in Southern California. Like, there's a lot of lot of big big boys that, that you're going to get that are Polynesian. I think it's important to have somebody like that still on the staff. Um, so I think keeping Newell around w- w- was very good. Um, now, to say that USC is going to have a top 20 defense, I mean, I'll, I'll let you guys go after this. I'm, I'm going to hesitate a little bit. I think if you can get that defense around 40 to 50, I think that's good enough to compete in the Big Ten. That's good enough to make the playoffs. Um, probably maybe make the championship game because you know the offense is going to be rolling. You, you can, they're going to put up a bunch of points regardless. That's one thing Lincoln Riley's offenses are always going to do is put up points. You just need a serviceable defense. Doesn't mean that USC is going to settle for that. I think eventually they, yeah, they want to get um top twenty or whatever or whatever. But I think realistically, right now, I could see around the forty to fifty range. You know, um, something like that. I still think. Like they did pretty good on the portal, but like I would say, like like Ramsey, I think that guy is probably the, the the best player on defense that they got in the portal. My opinion, you know, like that guy's a, I think he's only a sophomore too, right? Redshirt sophomore, so I, that's a type of player talent where you're like, man, he's probably all conference type of player. The other guys were were good players also, but that's the guy who stands out. I still think you probably need. A couple more uh, uh, defensive linemen, someone to back up the big nose tackle to, to back up rakes. And then who backs up Bear Alexander? I'll pass it on to you guys after that. But you might say Elijah Hughes or is he going to be more on the on the edge? I'll pass it on to you guys. But that's kind of my, my overall take. I think the talent levels, uh, you know, gotten a little bit better. But I think around 40 to 50 range is what I'm expecting uh, for sure under Coach Lynn. El Chicano, I mean, great, great analysis. I'll, I'll follow up with, with two questions of my own here. One is, what is your realistic expectation for this team in 2024 now that a lot of the roster has been solidified? Obviously, there's one more kind of transfer portal window, but I think we've reached critical mass. So given this roster construction, what is an expectation uh, reasonably for 24 kind of record-wise where they finish? Uh, ranking-wise, playoff, not playoff? Do they win a playoff game or not? Um, what, what, is, what does that look like in 24? And then B, who are you expecting as kind of one breakout player on offense and one breakout player on defense in 24? Okay, so we were just, what, seven and five? I think yeah, eight and five, right? Eight and five with the, with the bowl win. I think it's a tough schedule. I'll say nine and three, eight and four. Now... If you see, if you say, I know some fans are going to be like eight and four. What now? To me, though, it's it's how you compete and how you win those games. I, if you get to nine and three, best case scenario, ten and two. Uh, I say worst case scenario, eight and four. But so, somewhere around there, nine wins, eight or nine wins. It's just still a lot. Um, the roster still could could add some good pieces, you know. So right now, with a, with that tough schedule, I think Michigan is going to be down though. I think Michigan is going to be a little bit down. Like you don't know if Harbaugh is going to be there or not. Um, LSU is going to be tough again. So is uh, Notre Dame. I mean, the schedules, it's a, it's a brutal schedule, but I'll say nine, nine and three. You, you, you got a gun to my head. I'll say nine and three breakout players. Um, I was just thinking about this and from the the receivers, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say who I think is going to be our leading receiver next, next season. Not Zachariah Branch, not Deuce Robinson. I like Jacoby Lane. I like Jacoby. El Chicano. El there Chicano. you go, Madman. I mean, there you go, you man. great minds think alike, my friend. That's that's what I've been saying on the show here, you know. So, and I think Deuce Robinson has the talent, but I think um, I really like what I saw from Lane. But I think Deuce, he's got a – and he had a couple drops or a couple plays where you're just like, and you really have to make those plays, especially in, in which game was it? he had a 
they, it was a close game. I think maybe Washington or something. Yeah, like it was that Washington game. Yeah, uh, maybe even man, Utah. You know, yeah. Utah, yeah, like man, like you really, you really, really need to make those plays to, to um, you really have to make those plays. And the, and the great players do. It's just the freshmen. Obviously, you can clean things up like that. But Lane for not getting as much, uh, you know, he got some snaps, but not as much run. And then that that last game and the holiday bowl he just. And I, he, he he freaking impressed me, man. And I think he's gonna be no branch stud, obviously. But I want to. I still need to see from branch. You'll get more opportunities, but can you can you turn from a great returner to a great receiver? That's the question, right? He he was all American as a returner, not as as a receiver. Now, obviously, he had guys in front of him. You might fill in that that Taj um, Washington spot, you know. So. Uh, that's who would be my my breakout guy on offense, Lane, Jacoby Lane. Man, El Chicano, you you sounding like Jalen Ramsey a couple of years ago when he had to go guard Tyreek Hill. He's like, what's the big deal here? I'm I'm going up against an all pro returner, not an all pro receiver. You know, I, I love that. <laughs> no, hey, no. I, uh, I, before before you continue, Chicano, I want to thank everybody from the Minor Ten Ninety for tuning in and listening. If you want to go and make some extra casts to get your summer ready, go to underdogfantasy.com. It's on the Google Play and the App Store. Putting USC LAFB and will match up to hundred dollars. Thank you guys once again for listening. Thanks to your guest, El Chicano. Go ahead, Stephen. Finish. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, just to, just to add on to that real quick. Yeah, no, I have no doubts. Uh, Branch will will. Will will be that you know no no doubt no doubts like he's a stud. no but I I hear you he's got yeah, to prove but, it yep yeah he's got he's got to prove it but I, I like Lane as far as taking over as the number one number one guy and on defense um how about Elijah Hughes Elijah Hughes because but check this out you know he he got some run he, he has a quick first step and if you're bringing in the Rams uh the Rams D line coach Coach mm-hmm. Henderson that's what you bring a guy uh, a coach like that in for right to develop that talent that you already have on the roster, you know? So that's a guy, I think, um, I, you know, I want to, I want to see what, what he can do with the new coach, with the new D line coach, with the new scheme. Like, you know, I think um, the coaches obviously like him because he, he got, he got a lot of snaps um, as a freshman. So I, I, that's the guy I think, I think that's, you know, I think it's critical. I, I, he's my breakout player, but I, I think it's critical that a guy like that has has a big season because he's a young guy, right? You don't need to always bring in guys from the portal. Develop the talent you have and, and like, you know, let this guy be a stud, you know. So that's those would be my two breakout players for next season. I will say this. I want to rebuttal to that. I think, I think, I think there's a little bit, too much anticipation for the Big Ten, and people don't realize the Big Ten is really top-heavy, right? It's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and then the rest of them are just there. You know what I mean? And we drew Penn State and Michigan. I think going to the big house is going to be an issue, but like you said, you don't know what's going to happen when that coaching change happens and how many people is going to hit the February portal. LSU, I'm not afraid of. LSU had the same record as us last year. Brian Kelly hasn't really figured it out there, and and they're losing their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. You know what I mean? So I don't think the season, and I and I do this all the time. Jamal hates me for this, but I don't think the season's going to go as bad as people think. I think we may take some blows, but I think we'll still be good enough to get a six six seed in the college football playoff, or maybe eight to six is about where we should be in the college football playoff. Like you got. The, here's the advantage that SC had. They played a spring game against a different team, and nobody was ever able to do that. Now they're shown that they have four weapons and you can't cover them all. Now with Deuce Robinson, and I've been saying this all the time, I don't think Deuce Robinson's going to come back. I think Deuce Robinson, after he plays his baseball season and end up being really well in baseball, he's going to go stick to baseball. That's just my opinion, and I want him to do that so he could save his body and make a lot of money and play pro sports until he's in his 40s. So that's me giving him advice on how to play for a long time and make a whole bunch of money. But that receiver room is really loaded. The quarterback room just got better. I think they need to get one more. And with Juju reclassifying, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, I think there's more depth in the quarterback room now. I think also by them going to a four down, and Ryan, I need you to help me out with this. The freshman linebacker that was playing the stand-up in, uh, Shelby. Shelby, 
Shelby is now going to be a true linebacker off the line of scrimmage. That's the guy I think is going to have the breakout year. I think he's going to be the defensive guy that steps up like, whoa, because the flashes he showed as a freshman and he could run is like, okay, that's going to be really good. Yeah, just don't have him covering wheel routes out of the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that the, that's the issue too. But neither here nor there, we don't have to worry about that. But yeah. I think the season is going to be a lot better. And then I can't tell you, oh, are we going to win more than one playoff game? I don't know that because it's all based on draw and matchup. That's so far down the line. But I do see them right now with this roster in the college football playoff. I don't see the, no reason why they shouldn't be. You know, their toughest game is in Ann Arbor. Penn State is going to be a big one. Notre Dame, they play Notre Dame at home. But the fact that they played a game with this roster puts them ahead of everybody else in college football. That's just my opinion. I don't know. You guys can rebut off that one. What do you have to say, Matt, man? What do you think about that? No, I think that's uh, – I think the the spring game, uh, Fred, I think that's that's sort of spot on. Um, I, I, you know, and, and I agree with you completely on, on the Big Ten being top-heavy. Uh, but the top is getting bigger, you know, <laughs> when, when you talk about Oregon joining that party, Washington joining that party and, and USC. Now you got six, you know, really good teams year in and year out in that conference uh, out of 18. So it, it is it is going to be a more competitive conference. I do think I think SC schedule, to your point, Fred, maybe a little bit easier right now, especially with what's going on with Michigan. Going to be a new coach, roster turnover, big house, still really a tough place to play. Uh, but I think there still needs to be some top-end uh, talent on on the defensive side of the ball. I think there are spots with Bear and Rikes, and you know th- there's something with obviously with Gentry and and the linebacker positions. But you know I don't know if that top-end talent is quite there yet, and also I don't know if there's truly some top-end depth on the defensive side of the ball. So when we look at kind of the notable teams on this schedule, yes, is, does anyone really scare you? Maybe not, but I think week over week, I think it's going to pr- bring unique challenges, especially when you're navigating a season with injuries, oh. you know, and with different various matchups. And then obviously want to see Miller Moss succeed so much. He will. But to my earlier point, we saw Slovis just get out of the gates like gangbusters. We saw Jackson Dart get out of the gates like gangbusters. We saw JT Daniels get out of the gates like gangbusters. So it's not like this is sort of an unprecedented debut. And then as guys, you know, started having more film where, where teams could kind of adjust and react, it, it became kind of a regression to the mean a little bit. So I think there's still some challenges to be able to navigate. Uh, but I, I, I hear, I hear both sides of the coin. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on for that. And, um, Came out in the news, I think, yesterday, right? It came out yesterday about Juju. Uh, what is today? I, my day, I think Tuesday, something like that. I, think, I believe it this came week. Out it came out this week. And for, yeah. a little late, for a little late, we apologize by bringing it to you guys on Friday, but it's something we're talking about. And we have a guest here, the number one source for Trojan Insiders, so we might as well talk to him about it. Juju, is this that same Walkins? I want to call Lewis. Juju Walk Lewis. I want to call Juju Watkins is the number one women's basketball player. That's also why a USC <laughs> and also that's why it's stuck in my head. So we'll have two Juju's on campus. Juju yeah. Lewis decided to reclassify. He's going to come in at class of 2025, which means he has one more year of high school football and he'll he'll come down, which also puts in depth in the quarterback room. Not this, not at the end of not at the end of the season, but then the next season, right? Going into spring, 2020, going to spring. When we say happy new year, it'll be going in there. Sorry for all the confusion. I want to say this behind it, and then I'll get uh, El Chicano's reaction to this. I think, and I like this. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I like this about this kid, and this is the first thing that I thought. I think the competition made him rush his efforts, if that makes sense. Like, wait a minute. They just signed a guy that's a true freshman from UNLV. That means I'm going to have to sit. I need to go get my starting spot now. I need to get to SC as soon as I can. That's a great sign from anybody because now today's kids will say, I'm going to decommit. I'm going to go somewhere else where there is no competition. He's saying, I need to hurry up and get to SC so I can get my starting spot. I don't want to be too far behind the ball. I like that. It creates depth doesn't mean that SC does not need to get another quarterback. They may need to get an older guy just in case 
all hell breaks loose like it did the year with JT Daniels, Keenan Slovis, and Max Barkley, and Matt Liner, when everybody just got hurt that one year, and they were all the way down to Ryan playing quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, just to prevent something like that. So, I like the effort that he's putting forward. Like, all right, I need to go to SC as soon as possible. I'm reclassifying, and I guarantee he's going to leave early. That's great. We need more of those coming in as recruiting. We need more of that of guys we're recruiting instead of guys who's going to chase a dollar. He knows what he has, and he knows he's going to quarterback you. So he's like, I need to get there now. I don't want to be there two years behind. I want to become a starter. I'm a competitor. I want to make this my team. I love every bit of this reclassification. I love the fact that he'll be there a year earlier. El Chicano, what do you think about that? Okay, well, to start with the 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 Juju Lewis thing, I know a lot of USC fans are freaking out right now that he's, you know, they think he's all going to flip to Georgia. And I think it came out today that he's, what, he's going to visit Colorado, I think Texas, um, uh, I think Georgia. I might have missed a team on there. Now, if you go back a little bit, right, so since – and Lincoln Riley, you know, I know he got Jaden Maiava, but before that, he has he struck out on Dylan Rola, right? He put all his back uh, eggs in that basket. He struck out on him. DJ Lagway, he struck out on him. And I think there was, I don't, there might have been a court, another quarterback um, that he missed out on. Cam Ward. Yeah, well, well, you know, I don't know how serious USC was in, with him, but you know, okay, and then. Um, I was going to say my Alba, my oh, oh sorry, sorry, Jamal, go ahead. I think I Will Howard, perhaps you were yeah, thinking? Okay. Will Howard, Will Howard, right? So we kind of struck out on a couple, and then, um, but you could say whatever, Juju Lewis, he, he had already had that commitment, okay? But um, so a lot of a lot of USC fans are freaking out that that he might he might leave, and that's that's a possibility. But I think, in my opinion, um, you know, it gets tricky because we've seen what happened with with Malachi Nelson, these guys don't want to sit. I think Juju's going to, I think realistically he's going to end up where he thinks he can take over day one. So if you're coach Lincoln Riley, it's like, okay, Miller Moss wins the spot. Uh, Juju Lewis would come in when Miller Moss would be a senior, I believe. Right. So, I mean, I don't think he would mind sitting red shirting, sitting, sitting like that. But if Jaden Mayava wins the spot, He's only a sophomore, and you know that that guy's a stud. I know. I know people um, right away just think Miller Moss is gonna is gonna take that starting spot, but the guy was, I think, freshman of the year in his conference, right? And trust me, that he, him and his uh, whatever you want to call them NIL handlers, they didn't go to USC to sit on the bench. I think I'm not saying he's gonna win the job. What I'm saying is that Jaden Mayava and his handlers came to USC with the intention that, that they think they could beat out Miller Moss straight up. So um, with the Juju Lewis thing, I think that's that also plays a factor is who wins the USC uh, starting starting quarterback spot. As far as Juju Lewis, I mean, that guy's a stud. Like, you know, the kid, should I say, he's a stud. Like, I'm not – he's a different player than Caleb Williams, but I think he can be that type of quarterback once he gets to college because it's a guy, that's a guy – it's almost like those are type of kids who they knew from an early age or they trained at an early age, like they were going to be pros. Like you see Caleb Williams since he was six, seven years old, had this crazy uh, training routine. Like, you know, um, like they know the talent they have and they put in the work Like they know, they know what, what they could do. They know what they're going to do. Like they were almost built for this. The same thing is what Juju Lewis, you know, that's why he reminds me of Caleb Williams uh, as far as, preparation and stuff like that like the guy's gonna come in ready to play so i think um you know usc's they, they have to hold on to that that uh that commitment now they did offer a, a a player i'll pass it on right now but a quarterback from i don't know from Folsom. but i don't know if he Folsom, was yeah. six yeah was he 2026 or 2025 though 26 oh, okay so uh, i was saying okay maybe as a backup you yeah. know plan b but no it's it's just I think I think they probably already knew Juju was gonna, um, you know, reclassify. But I'll say you know it, it, you know he he's uh, uh, USC's the place to be if he wants to win a Heisman. I think if he if he ends up at USC he'll he'll win a Heisman, no no doubt about that. But 
it's it's gonna you got Texas, Georgia, all those teams, um, you know, uh, uh, in the mix. Colorado. I think you have to, you know, you just you better hope that USC has their high school NIL um, money up to par when when it's time for him to sign because that's without a doubt going to play a factor for a player like that. Colorado is unfortunate because I have my feelings about Colorado, but Texas is weird because Arch Manning is in the wings waiting. You know what I mean? And it's, so I don't know how much better he is than Arch Manning. So that's interesting that he says that. But going back to SC, if Mayava starts this year, he'll be a sophomore and then he'll be a junior. So he'll still sit a year. If if uh, if uh, Miller Moss starts this year and Miller Moss has a great year, he's going to make his money. So regardless, and then Mayava ends up being coming to starter and then Juju could come in and compete to be a starter. So regardless, he has the opportunity to compete and if he'll sit max one year. So I don't. That's where I get. That's where it gets a little shaky. But I don't know how these kids think because we don't know why Malachi Nelson left SC, decided to go to Boise, unless he wants free groceries from Albertson for the rest of his life. That's the only thing I could think of. So I don't really know how you do how that works. Ryan, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I I'm super torn on it. Like, uh, like, and Stephen said everything mostly that I've kind of been thinking, but just to kind of double down on it. Like, best case scenario, it works out perfect for both parties where. You know, you have a, and this is just thinking of like the actual, not even USC trajectory, but both USC and the actual quarterbacks, you have Miller Moss start this year, ball out, go to the draft. Jaden Maiava takes up, takes over in 25 with Juju Lewis coming in. Jaden Maiova starts the whole year. Juju Lewis is his backup, gets to learn and tutor under Lincoln Riley. Maiava balls out, then he goes to the draft. Lewis takes over as a true sophomore, and then it's kind of his show for the next two to three years. So you basically have the quarterback room solidified for five-plus years of great, great talent. But it's not promised to work that way. I mean, Miller Moss has two years of eligibility. He could decide to stay two more years. Jaden Maiava has three to four years of eligibility. He could stay that long, and – and we've seen how these young kids, if they're not getting it right away, I'm not saying Juju Lewis, Julian Lewis is like that, but you know, it, it, there's a chance if, yeah, if he doesn't come in right away and win it, he goes and and leaves and, and then it's, you know, chalked up as whatever people want to talk about. And then the other part of it is, you know, the sharks are circling as, as Steven mentioned, I mean, Georgia is recruiting hard Alabama before Nick Saban retired, recruited hard, but he, he Julian Lewis already said that uh, he's interested to see what Kalen DeBoer is like in his recruiting. He knows Steve Sarkeesian from since he was like seven years old, he said in an interview. So knows coach Sark. He's been recruited by Auburn, all his other schools. And he's been very open that he's committed to SC, but he's, his recruitment is still open. So it's definitely, uh, I think worrisome for Trojan fans that, uh, you know, whether it's NIL money or whether it's, a program like Georgia that maybe a Carson Beck has one year left and immediately becomes Julian Lewis next year is much more appetizing than sitting a year at SC behind either Miller Moss or Jade Maeva. So I think it's, it's okay, but there's definitely all that angst around the situation just because of the way college football is nowadays in the past. I mean, never again, will we see a QB rooms like we saw in the past, especially at SC when you just had guys sitting and waiting and, and waiting behind Heisman winners and, and then having their one year or two years after that, it's just not going to happen like that anymore. And that's just the world of college football that we're in. Hopefully they'll be able to keep that. But I think like Steven mentioned, that's why Lincoln Riley was in person up in Folsom at that, uh, at that high school football game for that 26 kid, because, you know, knowing Julian Lewis is reclassifying the 25. So that benefits both of them. But also if they, if he ends up decommitting, you have someone else that's, you know, a top five-star recruit kind of on the back burner coming in. So it's, it's an interesting situation. That's going to be wild the next probably 365 days. Hopefully he's taking trips because he likes the free food and the free flights and all the parties. So I'm yeah, think about it. Yeah. You know, Steven, it, it's such a great point about Juju um, because I think he becomes the poster child and he becomes the case study in so many ways of how you think about recruiting moving forward. You know, who would have thought a Kyle McCord of Ohio State would have transferred? Who would have thought DJ Uyunglele would have left, you know, now on his third school at Florida State? Ward, you know, declares a draft, comes back, you know, doesn't sign an agent. And then when you look at the coaching carousel, DeBoer, Fish, obviously the Saban retirement coming out of nowhere. So things come at this sport so fast now that even the conversation about 2025 to me feels a little futile, to be honest with you, because 
it really begs the question, how much effort, how many calories do you want to spend recruiting a kid two years from now? Uh, because at the end of the day, they have so many options at the 11th hour that is that just wasted time that you could be doing something else as a coach in terms of recruiting other kids or just developing your existing players and, and trying to get more on the field success. And I think that's really where I think a lot of coaches, Lincoln Riley included, has to think about how do you manage your time? Because there's a pro and con here. On the one hand, you could invest all of this time and effort and energy into Juju. And what that there's an opportunity cost there because you're you're spending that time with Juju, you're not spending that time on other players, and then he ends up jilting you to go to Georgia or Texas, all that time is lost. On the other hand, if you don't put in the time right now, you don't have that personal connection from a long period of time, and maybe they feel like it's a little bit too much of a transactional relationship and they won't pick you. On the other hand, if you have enough nil and you have a starting spot, does that personal connection even really matter? So I think this juju recruiting is very interesting because how much should you be spending time on a recruit more than one year away? And I think the next cycle, the next two or three cycles with nil, with this transfer portal is I think going to reveal some best practices. To me, look, the bigger question is forget juju right now. I think he's going to be a stud to your point, Stephen, to your point, Ryan. Is Lincoln Riley going to be the coach in 2025? You know, I mean, or, or is he going to be in the NFL by then? You know, I mean, so there, there's all kinds of questions here where this sport comes so fast at you. So I think it's going to be very fascinating. I, I think Ryan laid out a really uh, ideal situation. They all ball out for a year and they all leave. Uh, the chances of that happening probably slim to none. And so you have to really make some tough decisions moving forward. But if I was Lincoln Riley year three, Personally, I'd be focusing more on the guys that are in my room right now with, with Moss and Maeva, not spending as much time with Juju. I, personally, I think he's going to end up going to Georgia. I think that just feels that way, um, just given his kind of connection uh, and proximity and all of that. But it just b- brings this larger question to the table of how should I be spending my time as an elite coach when the power now resides so much with the player? I remember a coach told me, the most time you spend recruiting is keeping your players in your system. Like that's what I remember. He was like, the recruiting's done. Now we got to keep players here through the spring. We got, and that's by keeping yeah. them eligible and also keep them from leaving school. So that's actually a real good point, Jamal. So, I mean, it, it gets interesting, right? Because, and, and I've, I've talked about this before, like there's, the NCAA just opened Pandora's box with no rules and regulations and there's no hold on it. Right. And, they need to come, finally come in and step in and say, which, which I saw, and I was kind of glancing at it. I didn't really read it, and I don't know if it, how true it is, but I saw now they're starting to take a look at transfer portal and NIL to see if they could put limitations on it. And everybody was like, "Well, Nick Saban leaves now. You want to do something about it?" But I'm like, I maybe Nick Saban's retirement is what needed to be done in order for this to understand like you guys have a wild west out here and it's not control my my and my theory is and i still think this theory is going to happen is they're going to bounce and leave the ncaa and the only ncaa sports is going to be like basketball baseball and all that and basketball is eventually going to bounce it's just going to be olympic sports because you're not doing anything about it but collecting the check so we're going to go we're just going to create our own and keep our own money and and have our own rules and limit this NIL because we don't have anything wrong with it. It's just no limits on it. And we're going to limit this transfer portal thing. When I play, you got one transfer, right? I'm sorry. You transfer, you got to sit out a year. Then they came up with the one-time transfer rule. That's the perfect rule. They should have left it there. You get one time to transfer. If you transfer again, you have to sit out. Why'd they go and mess with it? Because the wrong people started complaining. That's what happens when you have people making decisions knee jerk and not really looking into it and trying to appease the masses. You can't appease the masses. You have to keep the masses upset because what I'm doing is best for my brand right now. The brand is not great and there's going to be so many complaints about it. And now you're losing coaches like Nick Saban and, and, and you're probably going to lose another great coach. And I don't know, I'm just throwing names out there, like, like, Fence is probably next, right? The guy in Iowa, because you can't hold on to these guys because they'll have a great year in Iowa. Next thing you know, somebody offers him a million dollars and he's out the door. 
They can't compete with that. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, Fred, it's a really interesting point you bring up. And then, El Chicon, I want to ask you a, a pointed question as, as the USC insider. It really begs the question, you know, to your point, Fred, the NCAA is kind of this infrastructure that could potentially be holding college football back. You know, it, we've never been able to make the XFL work because we've thought of it as, you know, just a, a watered-down NFL. But what if the XFL becomes college football? And what if it just becomes the farm system for the NFL? And instead of going to college, you go to the XFL as a as a high school player. It becomes kind of football's equivalent of the NBA G League. You know, I mean, we could be headed for a world like that if the NCAA either A, doesn't put some restrictions around this to, to kind of keep it collegiate, or B, they just make the wrong choices, which they're most certainly capable of. And so I think it's going to be a really interesting next couple of years. El Chicano, to that point, you're obviously our, our distinguished guest here. Question for you. Where do you see USC's nil stacking up right now? And uh, how would you kind of rank that in terms of resources? Obviously, it's USC, private school, great history. Jennifer Cohen has come in. Uh, she's, you know, got a history of great fundraising. But you also kind of see the world of the SEC and you see the world of Texas and you see some of these schools that, Football is everything in some of these cultures. Where are you seeing kind of USC stack up kind of nil-wise? I mean, I, I think you just have to to look up to, you know, look 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 up across to 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 Oregon and where they where they have theirs. I I know there theirs is a little different because they have the, the Nike money and stuff like that, you know, um, you know, but uh, you know, there, there there's you know people saying that the USC is headed in the right direction. But then I yell. But what does that exactly mean? You know, uh, you know. So um, I would say, you know, you know, it's been reported USC's, you know, has been, you know, in the past, I guess, so to say, you know, not, not up to par with the other teams, you know. But is USC ever gonna be like a, say, a Texas A and M or an Oregon or a Miami, like? That's that's you know th- those are I guess you want to say the the ones who are spending the most money with nil you know and it's um but you see like you know it 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 USC does have you know the nil nil money because you look at what Barry Alexander or Caleb Williams like it seems like they have the the money for the for the for the top guys you know I guess I guess for transfers and stuff like that but the big question is with with high school you know. Can you sustain? Um, can you sustain? Uh, you know, being a top top twenty or what? Did they, what did they finish? Eighteenth in in high school uh, uh, rankings. I think that's you know that's historically USC's top five, top ten, right? And that could be a direct link to to NIL. You know, is USC ever gonna you know um, do the pay for play? At this point, it 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 doesn't really look like they're they're uh, they want to want to uh, uh, to do that, you know. But um, they say for transfers that that they've they've got the money to pay the transfers. I don't think there's there's any doubts about that. But high school, I think you have to figure out what you want to do with high school nil because that's I think that's still the foundation of the program. The way you I see like Georgia and Alabama is that. They recruit top five classes every single year, right? And they use the transfer portal to supplement what what they have on the roster. So I think USC needs to get to to that spot. Um, doesn't seem like they're you know they're there yet, but I think ultimately to be you know with the elite of the elite, you've got to get top five, top ten classes every single year, you know. And that's you know most likely it, that that that's a direct uh, link towards NIL and. You know, I do think, you know, when the players get to USC, that obviously they're taken care of. Like that, that's that's you know, that's it's been reported, and the, you know, players are happy. You know, have you ever have you guys ever heard about any players complaining that they're at USC and that they weren't getting taken care of? Like I I haven't heard heard of that. So that's that's obvious. But you got certain high school kids or players who they're looking for pay for play, and at this point, USC doesn't do that. Um, you know, you could say they're taking the cautious approach, you know, because, you know, of what has happened with the NCAA in the past and and even FSU. Right. They they got I'm not sure what their infraction was, but I think, um, you know, 
it's looks like it's headed in the right direction, but they, you know, they, they as far as uh, high school, they, they still have some catching up to do. I, I want to, uh, and uh, Jamal made this made this comment a while ago, and uh, Jamal is about how the 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 NIL donation there's nothing to show for it, and I want to get El Chicano's opinion to it. So Jamal, go by like how it's not like your name on the building and things like that. Talk through that, and let's get El Chicano's reaction to it for NIL. And I think, and I agree with you, Jamal. I think that's the biggest hangup with USC. You know what I mean? So go ahead. Yeah, El, El Chicano. What I was saying is, you know, with with nil donation, it's it's very different, right? I mean, when you're talking about what's kind of considered competitive, you know, let's call it 15 million a year, right? You know, 30 players, 500k each. You know, just some round numbers. So you got to kind of find either 15 one million dollar donors a year or 30 half a million dollar donors a year, right? That's a that's a pretty big number, and it's a little bit different than if I'm donating to cancer research or I'm donating to social justice or I'm donating to engineering or I'm donating to, you know, an endowed chair for an academic position. You know, I get my name on things. I get, you know, sort of um, the benefit of being part of uh, kind of moving a university forward. In some cases in the South, if I pay, if I do the NIL, I have a bunch of car dealerships. Everyone's going to kind of come buy cars from me because they're like, you know, you helped Alabama and you helped Georgia. And so it's almost like an investment into your business. Or if you're running a, a, a big real estate firm and you're investing in IL, people will stay at your uh, apartment units. People will come to, you know, the, the things that you own from a real estate standpoint. So it becomes kind of an investment here in Southern California to get kind of those thirty one million dollar uh, you know, half a million dollar, 15, $1 million a year donors every year, year after year for just the sake of your football team being good and you're not really getting anything back. Um, that feels like a very different type of money and a very different kind of donor profile. And if you're not a pro athlete or you're just not a flat out billionaire, it just seems like it's hard to be able to generate the funds to be able to do that specific type of kind of NIL donations what's your take on that? How, how, how do you see that play out? Or am I completely off base here? I mean, that, that, that sounds about right. You know, and, and you hear things with, um, with Jan Cohen and raising funds and stuff like that. Like, you know, it, it, you know, from the USC, you know, the, the NIL, uh, people, they, you know, they, it, it, you know, they're telling people it's going in the right direction with, with Jan Cohen. And that's a big improvement from, from Mike Bone, you know, so, um, you know, that, that, you know, so if you're kind of saying, you know, does it mean more like in some of those schools, if, 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 if you kind of implying that, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of USC, uh, alum who, who, you know, who have, um, obviously have deep pockets, you know, you can't tell me that at a place like say Alabama has deeper pockets and, a university or I guess alumni than, than USC, you know, but, um, you know, some people, no, I, I agree with you there, El Chicano, certainly the deeper pockets at USC, but are there the deeper pockets for football? You know, there's deeper pockets in, in the film school well, and there's deeper pockets in the business school, but just specifically for football, how, you know, it, you know, is, it, is the donor profile the same at USC than some football crazed places? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's a good question. You know, that's a good question. And, you know, I, you know, I, I no, I'm not, not going to sit here and say, I, you know, I know that answer, but some people would even say that, that USC has, um, that it's the approach. Some people say that USC doesn't, is not really willing to, to, or, or even Lincoln Riley, that they're not really interested in paying high school kids in the say pay for play. So some people say, yeah, they, it's just the approach. I mean, I don't know what, what your guys' take is on that, that some people say Lincoln Riley is, is his approach is they're not really interested in paying high school kids. I mean, what, what do, you, do you guys think USC can recruit, let's say, top five, top ten classes if they're if they're going to have that approach? What's your guys' take on that? So I, and I think I think this, too. So we have to clarify NIL and yes. the collectors. Right. So NIL is Caleb making his money off that commercial. Right, that sports drink, right? Like legit uses his name and trolleys, new gummy worms. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. So like, if it was me, right? Say it was me coming out of high school right now, 
I will hustle to get my own NIL and I will get my NIL in small bits, right? So the the Popeyes down the street from the school, put my picture up there, pay me $500 a month or give me $150 a month, but I get unlimited food, right? I will hustle to get my own NIL. The collective pay, I don't think the collective pay is as much as people think everywhere else because besides Stanford, SC has the deepest pockets in the former Pac-12. And I think they're up at the top and going into the Big Ten. I think it's like Michigan, SC, Ohio State. Like the rest of them really can't compete. Everybody thinks Oregon has all this money, but the endowment is like almost two times Oregon at USC. They just have Phil Knight. What happens when Phil Knight is gone and let's say the person, the next person of Nike is like, no, nah, I'm not giving to the University of Oregon. You know what I mean? If it's not written, I don't have to do it. SC, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jamal, SC has the ability to have 17 big donors, right? They have that ability. Not saying they have it, but they have the ability, right? Give or take about 17. Yeah, 17, 17 billionaire alumni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they have the ability to have the right. So Oregon just has Phil Knight. SC has 17, but they, so it's how much are you willing to give to the collective? Now, I just learned this from my wife because she works in the foundation office. They could donate a number of amount of money and immediately put it in a, to account. So let's just say they do raise $50 million. You put that to the account and you let interest hit. They should have did it when NIL first happened. And now they can start playing payers off the interest. And that 50 million is still sitting there. And now you start naming boxes after these people. You name a section after these people. You name a coach's room after these people. And now you can start doing the pay for play. Now, this is where I do have an issue with a pay-for-play for high school because they're so fragile right now. If they don't play, they want to leave instead of sitting up there collecting a monthly stipend and you're getting collective money and now your picture's on the wall at an AMC movie theater. This is where such and such as USC Trojan comes to play. You get free movies and you get $250 a month. That's where I think it gets finicky with high school people. This is why, because they don't really know. They're guessing and they're hearing rumors and they're like, I want this dollar amount. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm kind of like, it gets finicky. I'm not really with the pay for play for high school because they haven't done it yet. What they fell out. You know what I mean? Jamal, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree, Fred. And, you know, it's a great point. Um, number one. Yeah. I mean, 17 billion billionaire alumni, you know, that's on Fortune and Forbes. A lot of those guys and, and, and girls and, you know, males and females. You know, how many of them are, are diehard football fans? Not as many as you would think, uh, they're, they're, you know, out of that 17. The vast majority really are pretty actually impartial to football. So it's interesting there. In all the days of, of Galen. Sorry? I said all the days of Galen. All the, all the days of Galen. You and I always kind of talk about that. <laughs> Galen would have resolved this right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure, Fred. You know, the, the, the question here becomes in terms of pay for play, at what point – do you not just behave like Google or Apple or Meta or Microsoft, right? Where they pay top dollar for fresh college graduates. So, you know, software engineers and AI engineers and, and cybersecurity engineers and all of these folks, there's attrition. You know, people leave to go get other jobs every year, every two years. And the attrition just becomes part of their business model. You know, it's not like, Facebook and, and Microsoft and Apple and, and all of these companies say, hey, we're going to stop hiring from college because they leave every two years. It just becomes kind of part of the model, right? And so right now, I think the lack of the pay for play is basically saying we don't want to pay these guys to that earlier point because the probability that they're going to stay three years in my program or four years in my program is so low that I'm basically just giving the money away. Whereas the thinking probably should be, is that, look, we're just going to pay everyone from high school in terms of our recruiting class, even if our attrition is 30% or 40% and we, we get to keep 60 or 70%, that just becomes part of the business model. Because if, they, if the 60 or 70% really pan out and we play really well, then guess what? That 30% kind of becomes noise down the line. And so I think that's kind of where some of these programs have to start thinking. It's This is the world we're in now where these football departments are much closer to sort of companies, for-profit companies, than they are necessarily as collegiate athletic departments. So I think, I think I understand 
USC's point of view on the pay-for-play, but I think unless there is some radical change that is coming from the NCAA and history being our guide suggests that is not going to be the case, you're probably going to need to get into some sort of pay-for-play model to uh, illustrate El Chicano's point where it's, and I completely agree with you, you can't make a living on recruiting classes 18 and 20, you know, that it, and just living off of the transfer portal. You can't build culture. You can't build continuity. You have to be in that top five, top seven range and then use the transfer portal as a supplement. But in order to get that top five, top seven range, I think you just have to embrace the attrition. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see how Michigan does NIL or their collective or whatever. I wonder if Jim is bought into that. Ryan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I'll Not just... the Michigan thing, the NI, the whole the collective NIL thing, what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Uh, just to, to add something to it, because I think that we're all on the same page. Like this, this will be Jennifer Cohen's first, you know, like off season with the program, right? Like she came in August is when she was hired. And so this is like her biggest undertaking is, you know, through the season, the progress we've all heard and, and all whatnot, but this is now her baby to build and prove and, and maybe hire and fire a new staff in term, not necessarily not coaches by any means, but in terms of, you know, GMs or whatever you need, because if to me, and this is just my opinion, the coach which in this case is Lincoln Riley, you have to be on board, obviously, but it shouldn't be the coach's responsibility, like heading the NIL vision. It should be like, Hey, I'm, I'm for this, but he should say, I want this player. Give me the resources to go get him at these top tier programs. Right. And so it's going to be up to Jennifer Cohen and this to be like, okay, how are we going to get those resources to no matter who we want, we're able to back up that stance. And it's not going to happen every single time, but from what we've seen from like the Oregon's and some of these others kind of, it seems like whatever Dan Lanning says, like, Hey, I, I want this guy. Oregon's like, okay, yeah, we'll go get him for you. And so that's going to, what it's going to take, I think for this program to get to that top tier level in terms of recruiting and transfer portal NIL. Um, and, and we'll see if they're up to the task, but it's going to take some changes in, in kind of the front office, quote unquote, if you will. Um, and, and so, you know, that's, that's this, what this off season I think looks like and what'll make it really interesting and, and how we'll define kind of Jennifer Cohen in this new age of NIL as an, as an athletic director with USC. I'll say something for 10 seconds, just to piggyback off of Ryan. It sort of goes back to what Lincoln Riley said, right. in in that athletic interview where he said, hell yeah, I'm going to be the coach of USC as long as they keep investing in football. Right on time, Jamal. Right on time. Not my first rodeo. Not my first rodeo, Fred. <laughs> right on time, Jamal. I know Ryan. I I, I did this earlier because I know Ryan's getting the wrist taps. So let let's uh let's get it. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. El Chicano, you got anything for us? Uh, no, just you know, appreciate appreciate the invite. You know, um, um, uh, you know, you know, had a good time with you guys. And if you guys ever need me, uh, uh, you know, need a guest or whatever, um, you know, if you guys thought I, you know like what I brought to the table, just, you know, just let me know, hit me on a DM or whatever, you know, and you guys all seem like, you know, nice fellas. And I appreciate you. You guys have a good night. Thank you. Definitely, you keep man. doing your thing, El Chicano. And, you know, you're a rock star on Twitter and really appreciate all the knowledge and wisdom you bring. And, and thanks so much for your time tonight and, and, and the partnership here. And, and you, you have the red carpet anytime you want to come back to salute to Troy. So um, yes, really sir. appreciate it. And hopefully, Next time you're at a game, let us know, and, and we can all uh, hang out and tailgate together. Yeah, have, have a drink or something. Uh, yeah. You know, I got my, my handle right there. I'm going to try to put out some content. Uh, it'll be the same channel on YouTube, Chicano Sports TV. Uh, you know, give, give me a follow, and, you know, I should have some videos up here in uh, maybe a day or two. So ch- check it out. Thank you, guys. Your, uh, your, twi- your, your Twitter handle is at, El Ch- El, at Chicano Sports TV? No, no, that's the YouTube and the uh, the Twitter is is uh, El Chicano USC, but that's the, that's the YouTube channel Chicano Sports TV. I'm trying to get that uh, get that started. So check it out if you guys get a chance uh, or subscribe. And I should have a video maybe in a day or two up. You know, I'm, I already got yeah. some things in the in the chamber. Just gotta try to upload them. So yeah, good deal. Hey, so I just want to let this out. Like we're we're open to all the SC Twitter fans, all the USC YouTube. Like we want to create an open community, like Trojan. 
I, I'm a I'm gonna say this because I went to USC and Jamal went to USC. He could greet me. Trojans are family no matter what, and there's no need for Trojans to be for Trojans, right? We if we're all doing this, our whole goal is all for us to eat at the same table, right? We prefer to be at the head of the table, but neither here nor there. We all want to eat at the same table. So, you know, like you guys are more than welcome to come on our show. We'll come on your show. We're we're open arms. We have an open door. We're family, like. That's why there's no name on the back of the jersey. It's about the logo on the helmet and the SC on the front of the chest. And I've heard that millions of times from every other sports also. So, like, we're family. You guys are more than welcome to come on, you guys who watch this. Even fans, we'll work something out. If a fan wants to come on, just let us know. We'll, we'll work something out. You guys can get a little segment and have fun with us. So, definitely, El Chicano, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Like Jamal said, you're more than welcome to come back. We had a wonderful time. Ryan, Jamal, we got another one in the books. We did it again. Until Monday, I think, I think, fingers crossed, because it's raining, so nothing may happen. We may finally get to the DVs. It may <laughs> fin- <laughs> we yeah, may finally great. get to the DVs. The DVs may finally happen, so we'll see. Everybody else, thank you for watching. Remember, go to betterline.ag, put a promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V and you'll receive a 50% promo bonus if you're watching the division around in football don't forget to go and get you a stone brewery fight on pale ale where you fight on and the most important thing if you think that brock purdy is going to hit the over which i do think he's going to hit the over in passing attempts go to underdogfantasy.com go to the google play store or go to the app store and download it put in usc lafb you get a hundred dollar match go do that it's everything you do over under if you want to put the Lakers and your favorite NFL team this week, well, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you can mix and match and do the old. I, oh, Ryan, did I tell you that I did uh, when the basketball and hockey started? I did like the ultimate four. So I had yeah. baseball, I had a baseball one, a basketball one, a hockey one, and a, I lost though. But we'll try again Way next time. Do it. Way <laughs> do it. We'll try again next time. Hey, Chicano, thank you again for joining. Ryan and Jamal, we did it again. Thank you guys for watching. We appreciate all your support. You guys know how it goes. Live free, fight on.